This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name's Anna Hawkin and I'm part of the team here at Parenting for Faith. This is a special episode where we're going to be hearing from one of our Facebook live events for parents and carers. We call these Bedtime Drinks with Rachel and we normally do them on the 10th Monday of every month. So whichever Monday falls between the 13th and the 19th. And uh, they're normally age specific. So 8 o'clock if you're a parental carer of under fives. Uh, 8.30 if you've got a primary school aged child and 9 o'clock for preteen and teen uh, parents. Um, But we are breaking all our own rules. So if you're listening to this on the day of release, which is Tuesday the 19th of May, uh, we've actually got a Facebook Live tonight on helping your children to cope with uncertainty. I think we can all agree that's something that's very relevant right now and something that we're struggling with. So do tune in. And if you're listening after the 19th, uh, you can still find that on our Facebook page. If you go to Parenting for Faith BRF, the page on Facebook and click on videos, uh, you'll see a playlist called Bedtime Drinks for Parents and Carers. And you can see uh, that one on Uncertainty and all our others. We've been going about 18 months now, I think. Uh, So there's all sorts of topics. Rachel gives a little bit of content Uh, praise for us and then you guys start asking your questions and she responds to them. Um, But given that things are a little bit different at the moment we're getting loads of questions about lockdown and how to do parenting for faith in this funny season of life. Um, We uh, did a special episode just on those questions and that's what you're going to be hearing today. So uh, yeah if, if it sounds a little bit different that's why but we've just grouped them together. So I'm going to start off by uh, doing the questions that related to online church. So where people were um, struggling to stay in touch, how do you keep those relationships going uh, and children who don't like online church whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or Zoom uh, just where that's not really working out for you. Uh, If that's you, you are so not alone. We've had so many questions about that, so uh, please feel encouraged. Um, So that's the first lot of questions. The second ones are all around sort of managing feelings. So partly as a parent, if you feel like you're not getting space and time with God at the moment, how can you manage in that season? Uh, Children asking how they should feel about coronavirus, should they be nervous? Um, reassuring children who like to have exact facts and dates and times when that's something we can't give them at the moment Um, and a little bit about how to put feelings into words that we can share them with children and then the third and final section of our podcast today is going to be the questions that you sent in all about God where is he what's he doing Uh, we'll be tackling tackling the big suffering question why did coronavirus happen what's going on Uh, If there was a question about someone whose friend got better from the virus, was it God or was it the doctors? Really interesting answer to that. Um, And yeah, an unwinding one, which was all about someone saying their child felt like they'd be okay and protected from the virus because God was with them. How do they sort of gently explain that's not exactly how it works, um, but without making him feel afraid. If you'd prefer to watch these individually or share the videos individually, they are all available on our website. On the homepage, if you go to parentingforfaith.org, uh, just under the main, barra, uh, main banner, it says responding to coronavirus. Uh, click on the resources there and you'll see Lockdown Q&A Facebook Live and all those little videos. And as I say, they're all available on Facebook too.
So let's kick off with the questions that are all about online church and engaging with church in this time. So this question is about online church. We're struggling to stay in touch with people from church. My kids don't want to write, send messages, or video call. <laughs> Can I encourage this without forcing them? Um, there's a question a bit later about how to cope with online church, but this particularly is about how to stay in touch with people from church. Um, they're saying, my, we're struggling to stay in touch from people from church. My kids don't want to write, send messages, or video call. Essentially, the kids are like, stop forcing us to have relationships with people from church. Can I encourage this without forcing them? It's hard. We're all trapped in our houses. And now we're telling our children, you have to have a relationship with others. Because for us, that's the essential quality of church. There's a there's a, a core community heart. And it's one of the aspects of church is to love and be loved. And so we often want to encourage this. But um, sometimes kids just shut down from that. It depends on your kids. Some kids are like, yes, I will embrace all of this. And other kids are like, I just don't, I just don't, I don't know how to, I don't want to. Um, I just want to remind you that this is a temporary situation. And so we're in this weird middle temporary patch. And, um, and so if your kids are like, I just don't know how to do distant relationships with adults slash other children, uh, that's okay if they're not feeling lonely, sad, curl in a ball, hide. If they're just like, I don't want to, then it's okay to be like, eh, all right, that's temporary. If they're feeling like they need relationship and don't want to do something about it, then you're in a different aspect. But for some of us, it could just be like, fine, we'll pick this up in three months. Um, the other thing that I find really interesting, my parents taught me this. My dad um, was a cop and so often I wouldn't see him for days at a time and my mom was really good at talking about my dad and telling the stories that I missed because sometimes I wouldn't see him because he was like on a different shift in my day and so she would tell me stories about his day and tell me what he did and tell me how he's doing uh, she would also do that with some of my relatives who are really distant my aunt and my cousin she'd tell me all the stories that she had heard and as a child it made me feel connected to those people even though I wasn't doing the talking. It was the knowledge of those people that made me feel connected to them, even though I wasn't engaged in that. And so for for those of us who have kids who don't want to do all that effort, we can tell the story, say, oh, I was talking to Susie on Zoom and she said this and this is what they're doing and their family, isn't that funny? And, and tell the stories of the people at church, tell the stories of how George is doing and how... Um, Luxana is doing and, and tell those stories so that their lives, even if they're not face to face having conversations, they're hearing stories of what they're doing in their houses, what funny thing happened. And so their world is still filled with those, um, those people uh, in their lives. Uh, another thing that you can do, and depending on what stage of quarantine we're in right now, uh, is on your exercise day, if you live in a community, I have heard... <laughs> people taking like socks and making sock puppets and going around like we're on our walk and then walking past people from church's house and then being like popping up outside their window being like oh and doing little puppet shows for each other or just swinging by and waving or doing a dance or doing challenges uh, whatever uh, come up with more creative ways rather than this intense 
conversation. I find sometimes kids feel the pressure of conversation and can struggle with it, where actually other ways of engaging through games, uh, online, you know, hook them up and have them play video games with each other, um, swing by, uh, have them play tag with an object um, so that you can like sort of swing by a picture and then they add to that picture and you just keep posting it through each other's doors. Uh, you can come up with ways that they play with each other rather than having to meet with each other and converse with each other. Uh, that can be hard. And another thing is serving. Sometimes um, rather than that relational pressure, you can say, well, actually, you know, um, Joanna is dairy and gluten-free and you know what? Everything shut down. So we're going to make her a dairy and gluten-free cake and I'm going to swing it by her house. Man, I mean, some of us have, I think what I find interesting about this whole thing, I'll read the question in a second, is that sometimes, now that we've seen it, some churches have extraordinarily slick and amazing online church. Some churches have really, really naff, barely functioning online church. But how kids interact with that it appears to not be statistically related to how good your online church is. There are churches who are amazing and the kids are like bored. And there are churches that are really, really boring and their kids are like fascinated by it. It's okay. It's who your kid is. So this is the question that has come with this. Um, my kid is finding online church very hard to engage with, particularly since there's nothing provided for kids by our church. And she just runs off and plays when it's on. So how do we help with that? Okay, first of all, we all join, we hug you, hug. Uh, yeah, uh, it's a weird format. I don't know how old this child is, so I'm gonna sort of answer for all ages, but um, if I haven't answered your question, please follow up. Uh, the first question that I would suggest you ask yourself um, is before we get to how to force your, get your child to do what you want your kid to do, um, is is for us as parents to sort out in our hearts, why do we want our child to engage with online church? What about this online church scenario is what we actually want them to engage with? And so for some of us, it's we want them to hear the sermon because it's just a time during the week where we all listen to the same thing and it challenges together. Other people are like, I just want them to smile and wave at people so that they feel connected. For other people, it's like, it's it's church and, and we just come and we do it and that's what we want to do. Whatever your reason is, think about it and be able to articulate it and practice if you have a partner at home or if you have a housemate or a phone call somebody, just practice sorting that out because when we're only doing it for a should, there's like a should, it's church, we should do it. Um, there's that pressure of performance. But when we go, no, actually, it's really important that we do this because for me, I love worshiping, even if it's the sound of my own voice. Uh, and however you want to articulate that, it helps it when you are then explaining it to the child and making decisions about how you want them to engage. Um, so first of all, what's what's your heart for why you want your kid to engage with church? What do you want them to get out of it? And then you can shape their experience around it. Um, and then I would suggest you think about the six-stage circle. I'm, I don't have it with me, but it's in all the books, and Anna will send you a link. Uh, and so there are like six ways of discipling kids. And so the first thing I would suggest is you're modeling it. Often we are so focused on managing the behavior of our children, both when like church was an actual meeting in a building, um, but when they're at home, we're so busy disciplining them that it becomes like casually watching 
a not very interesting television program. And so actually modeling, this is fascinating. I'm really excited to be here. I'm waving at everybody. I'm worshiping. I'm singing along. I'm taking notes if that's how you write, listen to sermons or you have your Bible out or you go, hmm, that's interesting. Like however you want to show that you actually are getting something out of that is a significant part. Now you can go, hmm, interesting. No, put that down. Don't hit your sister over the head. Uh, but that you are modeling some sense of engagement can help your kids. I've uh, heard back from many families who are like, if I look interested, they'll wander over and want to watch because <laughs> they always want to watch what's on your phone. So be like, mm, this is interesting. And they're like, oh, really? Uh, frame. Um, it's okay to name. Framing is when we say this is what you're looking at. And I find sometimes kids can't articulate why it feels weird. Uh, I knew one kid who just kept saying uh, to his parents, it just feels wrong. And he couldn't articulate why it felt wrong. And um, and there's something about um, framing and saying, I know it feels weird because we're not all in the same room. And that's what church is about, isn't it? Being in the same room. Um, but the reason why I like doing it is this. And the reason why we are doing it is because of that. And, uh, and so being able to frame for them why you want her in the room helps them understand and go, it's okay that it feels like this. And it will never feel like it was there, but we can grab a little snippet of it or something. However you want to explain it, framing is really helpful. Um, equipping them to engage is really interesting. Some of our kids hate being seen on the camera. They just feel exposed. So, you know, say like, oh, is, if that's what it is, then we can turn off our screen. After we say hi, we'll turn off our screen so no one can see it. Or um, it may be that they um, find the music like agonizing and don't want to sing along. Uh, or it could be that there's just nothing in the room for them to help engage. And so they're sort of twiddling their thumbs and feeling itchy. Uh, and so you can equip them. You can say, you know, actually, I want us to be here for this whole time, but feel free to use this, 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 this to engage with that. Um, and create opportunities for them to do that. Um, facilitate their engagement. If they're older and you want them to listen to the sermon, be like, okay, chocolate bar, tiny chocolate bar, uh, at the end of this, if you can tell me um, one interesting thing that the person who's preaching said that made you think, or um, one thing that made you go, huh, I've never heard that before, or one thing that made you go, mm, I want to try that. You know, feel free to, not bribe, but feel free to incentivize uh, something, but also incentivize what you want them to learn from it, listening to a sermon. Or you can say, look, I'd love for you to be here with the worship, but um, but I just uh, want you to close your eyes if you want to close your eyes, or you can draw pictures, you can do whatever. Hey, you, can, you can engage with this however you want. Here's all the different ways you can. Uh, you choose. Um, and then give them boundaries. And I think sometimes we just go to boundaries, like we will watch church. But um, the boundaries can be more helpful when you go, it's really important to me that we all sing together. And so what I'd like you to do is participate, sing for two songs, and then you can feel free to go. Or it's really important that we connect with people. And so I want you to wave and say hi and point to people and show up. Uh, and then uh, and then feel free to disappear, but I want you back at the end. Or to say, actually, we're going to do the whole thing but it's okay to be drawing or coloring because I know it's hard to sit still, particularly when it's such a small thing. And so um, feel free to set those boundaries, but to give specific boundaries is really helpful and to give their permissions and the freedom is really helpful. This is what I want you to do, but this is also all the freedom you have. We have all these choices in it. 
And then feedback. How did that go? Did that work for you? Ooh, I really, what did you really like? What did you not like? Um, how did you connect with God this Sunday? How are you feeling about missing church? You know, all those bits to, to feedback about, not just that was a good service, but actually how did you connect with God? How did, what did one thing that made you think and reflect that back and have those conversations. And here are questions that you asked about managing feelings and emotions during lockdown. Um, I feel like I'm getting no space and time with God at the moment. So I have nothing to give and nothing to create windows into help. I, I feel you. I, I don't know if you're like me, but like some days I'm like, I'm doing good. And then other days I'm just going to hide in the bathroom for a really long time and let my kid think that something's terribly wrong with me in my abdominal region. Um, I feel like I'm getting no space and time with God at the moment. So I have nothing to give and nothing to create windows into help. Um, I think sometimes as parents, we feel the pressure to be the perfect Christian in front of our kids. We want them to see like, this is what it's like, and this is how it is. And, um, and, um, and this is what's going to be great. And this is how Jesus is and Jesus, uh, hurrah. Uh, and we feel the pressure of that. And when we feel dry, when we feel empty, when we feel like I can't even think to myself, uh, that can be incredibly stressful. And I just wanted to encourage you. It is not just fantastic life where, um, is good to create windows. Telling your kid, letting your kid watch you go on a journey of not feeling with God is a really powerful thing because they don't know how to do that. They don't know how to have a wobble. They don't know how to not be, um, they don't know how to not be perfect and persevere through that. And so for you to say, I don't know about you, but I'm finding like time with God weird. Are you finding it weird? Because I'm used to having my pattern. Like I get up, I have breakfast. I normally chat to him in the shower, but now I get up late and then we start school straight away. So I don't have my shower time with God. Uh, and normally like church is a good time where I go, but now church just isn't working for me. And so I'm finding that. I find this an interesting journey for me to find us a new way of doing family and for me to find my new way with God. And I haven't quite nailed it yet. How are, how are you doing with your pattern with God? And to have that conversation shows them that it's okay to have a bump. It's okay to be in a bit of a funk. It's okay to try stuff. I'm going to try waking up early and worshiping three days in a row. That did not happen. Maybe that's not my thing. I'm going to try something else. And to be open about finding it and then say, oh my goodness, you know what I really love? Going out for five minutes before lunch and just breathing deeply and asking God to fill me. That's been interesting. I'm going to keep trying that. And to allow them the space to watch that. So rather than Rather than create a window into, isn't life great with Jesus? You can create a window that says, I'm struggling to find my place. I'm not going to give up and I'm going to try new stuff. And sometimes I'm just too tired. And so my main thing is I go to bed and I just say, okay, God, hug me while I go to sleep. That's like the best I got today. And that was nice. To be open about it is a really powerful thing to create windows into. Because what we don't want is our kids to hit teen life, to hit 25 years old and go, 
I don't, my regular pattern doesn't work. I've lost my faith and then collapse. I want them to go, oh, I've hit a bit of a rut. I know how to do a rut. My parent taught me how to do this and to remember back to that. So there's that. But I also want to encourage you that as you find your a, a season shift, that sometimes it's not about trying to hack out more time because we don't have that. Um, it's about grabbing your moments. I was talking to a, a dad who was like, I just take an extra minute in the toilet. <laughs> so he like does his thing and then finishes. <laughs> While he finishes, he just sits there and then just has a little chat with God. Like he's just like, I'm just gonna take an extra minute on the toilet <laughs> to just have a connection. Uh, I know someone else who, um, anytime she passes by the back door to her house, just goes outside and just stands outside for like 30 seconds and it's just like, okay, God, hi, hi. I haven't talked to you in like hours. Hi, and then just goes back in. Um, I know it's about grabbing those moments to shape those 30 seconds, to throw your Bible, however you have connected or want to connect. Put on worship when you don't normally put on worship. Read your Bible when you don't normally do that. Watch The Chosen. Um, figure out times to just grab those moments um, because you'll be able to grab moments if you can't grab the 45 minutes. Um, another thing that I would really encourage you to do is to start chatting all the time in your head to God because for me, that's like a massive shift because if I can't carve out time for him, then then I'm just going to invite him into the ordinary, boring horrible bits of life. Um, and I'm just going to invite him into all of that, all of the weird thoughts. I'm going to talk to him about whether or not I want to make bath bombs and, and how I feel about it. And I don't know. And I just can't be bothered. I'm just going to at him all the time because that's what's going on in my brain anyway. So I might as well, I might as well make my default thinking, thinking at God and with him. And, uh, that can be a really helpful shift to shift away from prayer time and not prayer time to just Every bit of my life, God's just going to have to be there for, um, can be really helpful. Um, a question, my son uh, is asking, should we be nervous about the coronavirus? Really good question. Um, kids often look to parents, like if you're ever on an airplane. This <laughs> is my airplane. My kid was deaf for a while. Airplane. Uh, uh, when we're on an airplane uh, and there's a bump, you always look to the uh, the staff you know who walk down and make sure you have your seatbelt buckled and stuff and uh, you always look to see like do they look nervous and if they look fine i turn into a four-year-old and i'm like no the wings off the airplane but she looks good she's fine that's fine that's normal and i'll i'll accept whatever, whatever their faces tell me to and kids look to us for that and so a really interesting question from kids is should i be nervous about that should i be worried essentially and, uh, and I think what you're, you're then looking into is, is the sense of the in-between. How do I, what they're asking is, should, is this something that is, is something that I should be worried about? Is this something I should be scared about? And, and so my answer is no, it's nothing that we need to be scared about. We may get it, we may not get it, but our hearts are not designed to live in fear or worry or nervousness because if we get it, this is what it will look like. It'll look like these symptoms and it'll look like this. And statistics say that most likely we'll be all right. And if it gets worse, then there's lots of hospitals and medical people and people who know what they're doing to take care of us. Um, because 
that's what they're there for. And there's scientists working on it. And there's a God who is there and who's going to walk with us and whisper to it through all. So no, I don't think we need to be nervous or worried about it. We've just got to be watchful to take care of other people and to do everything we can to uh, be wise now. And so there's a sense of, of should I be nervous is how do I manage my heart in this experience? And we can help them learn how to manage their heart in the experience because um, we know lots and lots of things about it. Living with a heart of fear is not how we were designed to be. It's not how God made our hearts and it will stress our hearts out. And uh, so we're going to live free from that. How do you manage to reassure a child that needs exact facts and times when you don't have them? Some of us have children who are like me, who are like, let's ride the wave of the funness of life. And, uh, and so this could take, this could be the next five years. This could be the next three days. Doesn't kind of matter because whatever. Some personalities are like that. Um, other personalities are like, I need to know what I'm doing today and, uh, and how it's gonna look. And my safety is in the security of structure and timings. And for those kids, those kids can really struggle in a season of, um, in, in this season of unsuredness because they can't quite find where to hook on to. Uh, and so often you'll find those kids become more controlling, they can become uh, focused on things. So first of all, I wanna say, you know your kid. So my suggestions are in general, you know your kid uh, better than anybody else. Um, I find, I, uh, um, close to a child who uh, is similar in this. And, uh, and so what we've done is gone pretty structured uh, in life in general. We have a lot of like visual timetables for the days and uh, a lot of like, we'll be doing this and we've created a week structure. You know, we have like fire Fridays and job Sundays and you know, we, sort of we've created more structure in our life so that we have more patterns. But I find when it comes to the coronavirus in the future, what can be helpful um, and that I've heard from other people, not just me, because don't parent like me, parent like you, um, is, is that sense of giving the timings that we do know. So there is a governmental review every three weeks where they look at all the statistics and they look at all the science and they look at all the maths and it's gonna happen on this day and then they review and decide what's going to happen for the next time period. Uh, and we can do that in our family too. If you want, we can take notes about how it's going and what we want to improve and change. And you can go down a, a structure that partners with it so that rather than them feeling like nobody knows, well, actually, you know, they've released five strategies for when schools go back. They have to tick all of these things. So there are some things that you can hang on to if you have kids who want to know all of those things. Um, because then we can go, well, we're looking outside, does it match all of those? Nope, not yet. And uh, it's almost like giving them tools, uh, like weather tools to be able to manage. So it really depends on what it is. But the one thing I really wanted to say about this question is to help our kids, no matter whether they're free flowy kids or structure kids, um, supporting their coping strategies because a lot of, we've been getting a lot of comments of my kid is not behaving the way my kid normally behaves. Is, are, is horrific damage being done to their souls right now because they're weird? And, and I just wanted to encourage you 
that I don't know about you, but I have weird coping strategies in this season, and I think probably you do too. And we are all shifting in how we manage ourselves in this season, and our kids are trying to do that too. And so they may come up with weird coping strategies that may be regressive. There's been a lot of stuff out there about how some kids are regressing a little bit because that's a coping strategy. They may become super clingy and want to touch you all the time. Uh, They may be a bit quieter. so I'm seeing them as coping strategies, as ways of managing themselves and having a conversation about that. What makes you feel safe? What makes you feel peaceful? What can we do as a family to make us feel more peaceful? Helping them learn how to manage their coping strategies and and invent them means that we're supporting them in that rather than being like, my kid's not normal. Something bad is happening uh, because yeah, something bad is happening the pandemic. But actually that doesn't mean something bad is happening inside of them. It just means they're trying to figure out how to manage themselves in a new structure. When I was talking about, it's good to talk through your feelings first before giving an answer, particularly about the suffering question, is uh, I don't always take note of my questions, of, of my feelings. I don't always take note of my feelings. How do I learn to put my words into feelings? Well, that's the lifelong question, isn't it? it really helpful um, to particularly um, to go on a journey of finding words that help broaden um, our emotional vocabulary. And so um, when my kid was small, we bought a book called The Emotionary, uh, and it basically is a bunch of emoting words. And I found that really helpful, um, not only for me to articulate, but to help my kid articulate, because there's so many different emotions besides sad and happy and worried. There are words like betrayed and disappointed and misunderstood and um, peaceful and uh, what was one word that my kid absolutely loved? Uh, Serene. (laughs) This five-year-old who was like, I'm filled with serenity. I'm like, wow, that's like his word for the year. Uh, And there's just all of those little words that I found really helpful to um, broaden my vocabulary with it. So I, I had more words to pull from. Uh, but also um, sometimes uh, you can describe it without having a name. So you can say, I don't know, sometimes I sort of feel numb inside, like I don't care about every anything. And then all of a sudden I really care. So it feels like back and forth, you know how that feels. And sometimes you can just use descriptive words about it uh, so that you don't have to feel like it's precise. Um, but what you're modeling is that you're talking about your feelings. You can say, I'm not sure I have words for it yet, but it sort of feels like, uh, and and what you're doing is you're showing that it's okay to not have it all sewn up in a little ball, but you can say, I'm, I'm definitely feeling stuff and I'm working on it. Um, and so I'm going to ask God how I feel. And um, sometimes this whole chat and catch thing, we talk about chat and catch a lot in, in parenting faith. I believe that in scripture, it says the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. And I find it really useful to go to God and say, God, I'm feeling this. <laughs> Please help me figure out what I'm feeling so I can articulate it to my kid. And sometimes God will drop a picture in your mind as you're sharing. All of a sudden, it will be like, yes, I feel like I'm stuck on a river with no paddles. That's exactly how I'm feeling. And God, who knows your heart and mind, um, who when your spirit calls to him. Um, I love that in in the Bible, it talks about praying without words and that's sort of your spirit calls out and and God God can put it into words for you. And so to actually, if you feel like you don't know what you feel, to go to God and say, God, I don't know what I feel. Please help 
me see what I'm feeling and just talk with him about it and get a picture in your head or talk and talk and talk at him. If you're an external processor, if you're an external processor, sometimes lockdown is really hard. If you need to talk about your feelings before you understand uh, and use God to do that and go and say, I really want to understand how I feel. So then you can go to your kid and go, you know what? I was talking to God yesterday and he, and I was saying, I don't know how I feel. I was feeling this. And he was like, Ooh, is it like, you being on a boat in the middle of a river without a paddle, and you're like, yes, that's exactly how I feel. So now I feel like I know a little bit more about how I feel because God knows how I feel, and I just asked him. Uh, and so broaden your, your thing, but also take that time, just process with God, and feel free to be in the in-between in front of your kid. Um, and so you're communicating it because what we're modeling to our kids is we talk about our feelings and we invite God into that, whether or not we know exactly what that is because he's faithful in all that. And for our final section, here are the questions that you asked all about God, about where he is, what he's doing. And we've actually now got an article on our website as well. If you go to parentingforfaith.org forward slash post forward slash big hyphen questions or just search for it on our website, uh, there's a little magnifying glass in the top right hand corner. Uh, And if you search for coronavirus there, you'll find all of these things. Um, But it's called Answering Big Questions About God's Suffering and COVID-19. And there's loads of different angles and approaches, resources that you can use there. So if you want to explore this a little bit more, I'd really encourage you to check that out. My daughter has kept asking why God would allow this suffering. I've told her it is not him causing it, but she keeps saying, where is God in all of this? And I think when you you cut it down the middle, that's the question that that many of us parents are afraid of, worried about, not quite sure how we're going to answer. And I think... That's because it's the, it's the big question that we keep having. And, uh, and there is an answer to this. Now, different people will have different theological slants to it, but I think what's really important is that often um, when our children ask this question, we think, how can I give them the definitive theological answer? And, and what I think is really helpful to do is to... Um, is to partner the theology with a relationship of what your relationship looks like. So I would suggest to answer this question, the first thing you do is talk about your feelings. Often we skip to the answer. Why does God allow the suffering? And we're like, well, let me answer that. But actually there's a lot of emotion in that question. And so to create windows and say, yeah, you know what? When I look at that, I have the same question. I go, God, what are you doing? Where are you? Why has this been allowed to happen? And you can, you can create a window into what's been happening in your heart. Or you can say, you know what? I've never asked that question because I don't expect God to stop everything that's happening in the world because I don't think that's how he works. However you have been processing it, whatever is happening in your heart responds to that so they can see what it looks like for you and then give them a biblical framework. Sometimes we give them a biblical framework first and if it's a a thing with particular emotions, sometimes they need to be validated in their emotions first and um and give them an insight into what you're feeling about it so they can understand your heart positioning and then give them a framework you know give them those verses that we talked about in that first one about where is god and what he is doing um and how he is an active and powerful god who is comforting and rescuing and saving and healing and god is all over this and god is is 
everywhere. He's working together for good. He is he's doing powerful, powerful things. And I'm training my eyes to see that. And this is what I see him doing. Um, but also I try to give them a framework for, for believing that he is doing stuff that I can't see. Often we're like, what can I see God doing? I can only see this and I can't see that. And for me, I know God's doing loads of stuff I can't see. I find it absolutely remarkable that the, the group that is the least affected by this is children. To me, that is an enormous gift from God that children are in general, uh, not all the time, but in general, uh, statistically, um, being protected from this virus. That is amazing. What else could have happened that God is protecting us from that? I don't know. I believe that God is out there and active. And that sort of gives a framework for them. And to move their eyes, that sort of moves their eyes from, from why hasn't he done this to all the things he is doing that I'm grateful for, that I'm seeing, that I believe that he is doing. And then make them powerful. Because often in the answer to this question, it's just, yeah, I don't know, or I think is all right. And we just give them a theological answer. But where our place is in that answer is that God invites us to do be a small part of his great plans in this world. And he is out there comforting and rescuing and saving and caring and loving and helping the poor. And, the, and he's out there and he says, I want you to do it with me. So what are we going to do about it? How are we going to be part of God's response to this? Is a really useful uh, process of going through the suffering. There are some great books out there. If you want to delve into the theology of suffering, there's some really good stuff out there um, to look through. I'm trying to think if I have it on my shelves. I'll, uh, I'll, <laughs> God books behind me. I will, uh, I'll, I'll add to that if you want to know some of the books that I've really enjoyed and really has helped me in the concept of the sort of deep theology of suffering. But for me, that's my kid answer to that. Our friend got better from the virus after being very unwell. My kid asked, did God make him better or the doctors? Would he have still got better if we didn't pray? Ooh, interesting. Uh, for me, when I talk about healing with kids, I say sometimes God heals people like that. And sometimes he uses medicine and doctors and family. Um, but to me, I see God in all of it. And so how God chooses to heal people, uh, I still see God in it. And so it's all the way God does. And would he have still got better if we didn't pray? Um, I don't know the answer to that. That's a very interesting. What do you think? And there's a whole thing. For me, I think God's heart is is powerful in our prayers. Um, our prayers come alongside what God's heart is. Um, but ooh, that's a great conversation. Have a good conversation with that. Tear that open. Ask invite people. My son has decided that we will all be okay because God will protect all the people who believe in him from the virus. How do we unwind this wrong view without making him afraid? Excellent question. I'll read it again. My son has decided that we will all be okay because God will protect all the people who believe in him from the virus. How do we unwind this wrong view without making him feel afraid? I think that's a great question because particularly with some of our younger children, they're like, well, Jesus protects people he likes. God likes me. We'll be fine. Uh, and part of you is like, well, I avoided the whole fear issue, but now I'm stuck with a kid who's like, I'm immune from everything because God loves me. And uh, you're thinking that's not a good and healthy place to sort of be in. Uh, so for me, this would be what I would suggest. 
Um, one, as with all views of God, there is always a nugget of truth. A nugget of truth in that we talk a lot in parenting for faith about unwinding wrong views of God. As our as we grow and learn more about God, we sort of swing into different stereotypes, not stereotypes, different aspects of Him, and we talk about having a more balanced view. And as with all views of God, there is a nugget of truth in this. In Psalm ninety one, Psalm one forty five, uh, God says that He protects those He loves, uh, and so um, we can affirm that God is a protector and He is protecting people, and uh, we are praying for protection for us and for others around. Uh, but Jesus also said that in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. And the disciples did not have an easy life. The disciples weren't walking around being like, woo, Jesus loves us, and this is easy. They had shipwrecks, they had stonings, they had beatings, they were imprisoned. Like their life was bumpy, uh, but God rescued them sometimes, and sometimes God didn't rescue them and worked wonders through those circumstances. Um, Romans 8, 28 says, God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And so being a Christian, having a relationship with God, being loved by God, doesn't mean that nothing bad will ever happen to us. It means that when bad things happen to us, God's power and love and comfort and joy and providing and rescuing will be there as we walk through life, the good and the bad bits. And so as you sort of frame that theology of, yes, he's the rescuer and he's also the God who works through, and our life will be filled with ups and downs, and he is this in the middle of all of that, that instead of being like, no, he's not going to protect you, we're saying, yes, he protects, and sometimes he walks with us. And, uh, and you can do that, but also tell your stories of when God rescued you in life and tell your stories of when it was hard and he walked with you and who he was um, so that you have, they have that balance of God the rescuer in the midst of God the provider and God everything else. That's all for this week's folks. We are standing with you. We are praying for you. We are doing this together. Please keep sending in your questions uh, for the podcast and for us to answer generally. We are here to support and resource you. So let us know what you need and uh, we'll try and help with that. Have a brilliant week. Bye. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. Thank you.